Here's Paul Stanley to tell you why he doesn't want to shake your hand. Some people might have a little rock and roll pneumonia. Ugh, not even cold gin will kill those germs. This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Bonjour et bienvenue à Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Or, if you prefer, hello and welcome to a Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. This is the Dennis DeYoung 2020 episode. It is a, a great interview, and in fact, I'm going to just skip all this nonsense of, hey, 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 everybody, blah, blah, blah. Here is the one, the only... Dennis DeYoung. We are speaking with uh, singer Dennis DeYoung. The new album, 26 East, uh, coming out in April. And uh, I have had a chance to hear it. And Dennis, I have said this. I have posted this. I have talked about it. It is a masterpiece. It is It is absolutely the album that I think fans want. It's absolutely the album that I think you should have made. And I think you just did it at that super high level. The, the songs are just enjoyable. So... Uh, bonjour. <laughs> How about well, that? <laughs> honest to goodness, when you when you first emailed me after you'd listened, you said that I thought, is he being facetious? I'm not sure, but I'll tell you. Listen, I um, I had great trepidation about making another record because of the obvious factors of the music business, and you know, for the most part, adult fans that I have, you know, late forties, fifties, sixties. They um, they say they want new music, Mitch, but they really want you to play the songs that they remember, as the, as, as the cliche goes, in, in the good old days. Make them, remind them of the innocence that they once held so dearly to their bosom. So I thought, why am I going to make this record? Well, Jim Peterick kept after me. He's a neighbor. Um, if you don't know him, he, he was the guy in Survivor and Eyes of the March and... Um, and, and, and Serafino from Frontiers Records kept, kept asking me to make a record. I just didn't want to because I knew it would be a lot of work for me because I would have to produce it and mix it because um, I can't give it to anybody else to make the stick sound that I know of. If I could, I'd give it to them. Mitch, I swear to God, I'd go to the Bahamas and put my feet up. But that sound uh, is, 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 is something that I developed over the years working with the, those great talents I worked with. And um, so I had a lot of work to do, and I knew you had to have songs. If you don't have songs, please don't bother us with making records. Give us some good songs, because that's really what we want. Just because you can play a lot of notes or, you know, stand sideways and, and do the splits, it doesn't matter. That people want they want songs. So, and Jim Peter kept after me. Finally, he sent me a song that he had started, and I said, "Okay, that's a pretty good song." And we sat down and started writing together. And before we knew, we had eight songs. And we worked on it for over two years, and uh, because it was just all kinds of things to get in the way, I recorded all this stuff on old gear that was breaking by the minute, and few people in the in the universe still even have this gear or, or fix it. But I got it together, and you got the you got the thing right there in your hand, and um, it was a labor of love for both me. I think I wrote of all the songs, I wrote a little over half the songs, and, and Jim and I wrote the other half. Uh, together and you know to hear you say those words and I'm not I'm I'm, I'm not blowing smoke. It, it it makes it all worthwhile despite my trepidation and despite the amount of work involved. When people say stuff like that to me, you and I are alike, Mitch. We're just kids looking for approval. We want to pat on the head and say you did a really good job, kid. 
And so when you say those things, it feels like it was worthwhile. It was absolutely worthwhile. So there's a lot of stuff to to explore on this from the actual title and the reference that it has. But I'll start off with just uh, the well, not the first song, but uh, with all due respect, which is song number two. Uh, let, let us talk about that song because lyrically, the there there are some well, there's there's a couple of uh, choice words in there. Let's put it that way. Talk to me about that, and is there a danger in using sort of that harder language in a song? And and just talk to me about that whole vibe, because it it really gets the point across very clearly. But did you sort of say, oh boy, am I going to insult some of my fans? Or, or did you sort of say, yeah, they're going to get the tongue-in-cheek in this. They're going to get the, 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 the joy or the, the, the joke out of it. Well, you never know, do you? Um, people can be taken literally. What I felt, Mitch, and you're up there in Canada, and I don't think it's as bad as it is here, and it's a worldwide phenomenon. <clears throat> Our political leaders, at least in this country, your southern neighbor, they, they are confronted with this situation where media has contributed mightily to the erosion of, of American civil and, and social life by doing this. They want to take the extremes of both parties, stick them in a WWF ring, and let them go at each other to get political theater so they can get people's attention with eyeballs and ears. And it's, it exaggerates the differences between us and makes us feel like things are much worse than I believe they are, because I travel over the country all the time. And the incivility of what the media has done needs addressing, I believe. I've been talking about this for since my last album. But I really think that if you watch any of these kinds of shows, um, and the pundits are on there, you... You, you think when some, one of them says, with all due respect, um, you know what they're really saying is, is you're, 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 a, you're a jerk. Um, and I thought, every time I hear it, I want people to think, when they hear it, now, I want it, I, we can't say the word on, on your program, can we? You absolutely can. Oh, in that case, it's with all due respect, you are an asshole. Yes, and correct. there you go. And if anybody doesn't, you know why you you laughed out loud the first time you heard it. Tell me you didn't. You did because I've seen everyone who listens to it, and they go, "Wait, what?" And because that's how I think a lot of people feel. I know it's the way I feel, and to see the reaction, people are just dying. They want to say that and say, "Stop, please stop ruining." Our democracy and, and ruining our culture with that, with that constant need to engage in, pol, in in political cockfighting, so we can sell you beer and potato chips and what else, whatever else we're selling. And I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm frankly scared for, for America and for the world, but mostly because I know most about here. And I think we have to, we have to understand too many of these people are just partisan hacks on TV. It's not true um, 
unbiased, unfettered. It's, it's, it's just one party or the other, and they're both, both sides are to blame equally. So that's it. That's why I wrote it. And I, I, I remember when I first played it for Jim Peter, he said, well, Dan, we can't say that. I said, yes, we can. I said, now go away and write a riff for this thing, would you? And he went and wrote that killer riff, and he got it right one time, Mitch, once. He did like two minutes of it on his little in his phone, and I said, "No, no, the very first one you want you did is the unique one. Then you refined it and became like everything else." And so, we got it done, wrote the song, and I, I put it second on the album because I thought I want people to hear it. I want people to pay attention. Well, it worked. It it it's a, it grabs the attention, and okay, so. Boy, there's so much I want to ask. So let me just start moving along here on, on some of the other stuff. First of all, the title 26 East, it refers to 2060, 101st place in Chicago where you grew up and where Styx was formed with, with Chuck and John. Um, talk to me about that. Is that sort of sig- signifying that with this last album, you're sort of bringing it back to where it all began and, and you're sort of closing the circle and, and it's, you know, I mean, is it is it that thought out and sort of romanticized or talk to me about that, the, the album title and and that importance of 26 East? Well, you, you've got it right. Um, where it began, so shall it end. The last thing you hear on the album is an accordion. That's my my primary interest in, instrument when I was growing up. And it was the instrument that uh, supported John, Chuck and I for many years, you know, John played drums and Chuck played bass. And then we had, we had a guitar player named Tom Narden and we went out and played weddings. It was, you know, we weren't really a rock band. We developed into that. And to me, the thing I realized is all the guitar players that joined the band joined a successful band. We always had gigs from the very beginning, because we played, we were pleasers, we played what what people wanted to hear. And over the subsequent years, whatever guitar players that came and went, they all joined successful bands. That includes J.Y. and J.C., the first two original players. J.Y.'s band had imploded, and he was looking for work. And he came to us, because we were the band in Chicago on the South Side that had the gigs, because we were pleasers. We played what people wanted to hear. So, I was paying tribute to the three mooks, you know what I mean, Mo, Larry, and Curly, who were just kids in a basement, didn't even have a dream, because it was before the Beatles, and they just got together for fun and did it, and I thought it was important um, to go back there, and hence the three locomotives on the album cover, and you know, John's dead. And, and Chuck is, uh, I haven't talked to Chuck in a while, although I did contact him for the first time because um, I needed permission for him to use his image in some of the old band photos we had before we became famous. And he said, absolutely, it was very gracious of him. So, yes, it's full circle. Where it began, so shall it end, so on and so forth. Now, the, it was announced, you know, in 2019, you're going to make a new album. It'll be the last one. And then it says volume one. And you said, well, you know, we wrote so many songs that the record company thought maybe we'll do two. So where are we in that? Is it, is this just one of, you know, is there a bookend to this? Or have you decided, no, these are the last 10. 
where are we? Is the volume one sort of a, another tongue in cheek kind of joke or is it, yeah, okay, listen, there'll be a, a part two in 2021. No, it's, 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 it's literal. Um, I, I, I'm not following Gene Simmons, uh, a road to having uh, a continual, um, you know, a final tours and that kind of stuff. It's, it's this simple. I had a bunch of songs, 18, and I was going to winnow it down to a final number and make it my last album because I didn't want to be bothered anymore. And, and the president of the record company, he wanted all the songs. So I thought, well, does he know something I don't? And there is no tongue in cheek. It's just that he said that he would um, like the ability to split them up. And I would be lying if I didn't say I was flattered, number one. And number two, that, uh, quite frankly, economically, it was better for me. And, you know, I, in case anyone didn't get it out there, I'm, I'm a musician. I do this for a living. And the fact that I could um, divide it into two was something that I thought was a good idea, considering I'd spent a whole lot of money you know, recording all those songs in an effort to get the very best ones on. So when I sat down to make, they, they, they wanted to call you volume one and volume two. I said, it sounds pretentious as hell to me, uh, but they wanted to let the people know there's going to be more than one. So did I want to do that? No. Did I do it? Yes. I did do it. Okay, so there is a part two coming. Do we know when that's coming, by the way? is that? Do you give it a year or do you give it like six months? You know, Mitch, I'm going to I'm going to learn a lot from what I've just done from people like you and the fans. Am I not? I mean, just the fact that yeah. you like it, I'm thinking, well, that's good. Um, let's put the second one together, and not it, it, can't, it won't be a carbon copy because, as you well know, listening to it, every song is different, and every song will be different on the second album as well. I. I don't. I didn't want to make an album that was a Polaroid snapshot of, of stuff I'd done before. I worked real hard at that. So the second album uh, will be released. There's no date after we see what this one does. I mean, if it disappears in like in, in six weeks, it'll probably come in eight. I don't really know. And that's really something up to Serafino Perugino, the president of the record company. Yeah, from uh, from Frontiers. All right, so let me ask you this. Uh, so Jim Paderick, of course, from Survivor, yeah. Eye of the Paderick, yeah, Eye of the Tiger, and all that. Yeah. He he gets on you and he says, "You got to make a new album. You got to make a new album. You got to make a new album." But the reality is, is that you can easily go out on any tour, put Dennis uh, DeYoung on the marquee, play Grand Illusion, play Mr. Roboto, Babe, Lady, and never have to write a new lick ever at all. Which which is sort of a plan that you seem to have been following for a few years. Talk to me about the importance of making new music, and now that you've done it creatively, or or, or the creativity in it, do, do you feel more inspired? Has it sort of changed your perspective, or do you sort of expect, oh, here I'm going to play a new song, and these guys are all going to run out to the bathroom? Like, I mean, is there an importance to have new music? to keep your musical creativity and, and chops and stuff up? Or can you just go play 15 greatest hits and say, hey, folks, this is where I am in the career. You, you just show up and enjoy these songs that you love. Well, the reaction to the record so far has been so 
unexpectedly positive. And, I, and I'm not that, that's not false humility, because you never know how people are going to react. I'm 73, Mitch. You just don't know. You know, you try to hold the mirror up to yourself and say, hey, fat ass, time to sit down, you know? Uh, so the response has been overwhelmingly positive from quarters I never expected it from. Wow. We're just kids who want a pet on the head. And so they, they're patting me on the head, and I say, you know, like a good little kid, I'll go, okay, I'll make more. But I won't. I will finish this, this string out on this, and that's it. Even if this, if this thing goes on to be successful, which in this climate is so highly unlikely, um, I will have thought, I will have said, I, I've done all I need to do in this medium here. I, I don't really have any much. Can I keep saying stuff? Sure. Do I need to? I don't. And the audience, the two most dreaded words in the English language to a classic rock audience is new music. So I'm fully aware of that. But it's been so gratifying to find that, that people say, hey, this is really good. And they say what you say. Why are you going to stop? Because really, I want to. You know, it's... I do. I just got to say, it's funny with classic rock fans, and I'll give you an example. You look at a band like Van Halen that hasn't toured in, in the last few years, and fans are like, oh my God, they should tour. What are they doing? They're wasting valuable time. And then on the other hand, you see Kiss that tours every year, and they go, oh my God, they should stop. They tour too much. And it's like, well, which one do you want? Do you want the not at all, or do you want, you know? And the same thing with new music. They're like, where is the new Dennis D. Young album? Then you make one. They go, hey, can you play Babe for me? That'd be great. Of course, of course. And then they don't buy it. So look, <laughs> I know it's so ridiculous. Kids, I want to talk to you out there. I'm talking to your audience now. Kids, listen to me. And I call you kids because I'm probably older than most of you. But most of you. But additionally, additionally, we're all just kids, no matter how old we get especially if you're still listening to rock music. So listen, kids, this is a business. Don't anybody try to give you that bullshit about art. If this is art, it's commercial art. The first thing any, any musician does is he signs a, signs a record deal to figure out how much money he makes for, for, for sale. And if you don't sell enough, they don't give you more money to make any more records. It's a business. Now, you might want to think of it in lofty terms, because if you really get the music right, it feels more special than just business. But it is a business. So in order to make more records, the people who give you the money to do it must feel like it's a good business investment. So for me, I think it's important for all of us to understand, and forget about me now, Mitch, because... Good grief, I've made my money off this deal. The return on investment was bit, has been spectacular. But for all the young people and people who are in rock bands, this whole business has turned against them, and it's gotten quite ugly. And they're not going to have the opportunities I have had, and I find that shameful. So if you, I, I told my, my fans, and I never promote, you know, say, oh, buy my coffee mug. You know what I mean? Buy my keychain. I said to my fans, listen to this. If you like it, download it and keep music alive. Not just for me, because I'm quitting, but for all the people who will need your 
financial support to make the music that you will love. Does that seem unreasonable to you? Not at all. And, and okay, let me ask you this. When you're making an album in this atmosphere or this context where everything's very disposable, everything is very come and go, do you take more time and more care in crafting the songs? Because I know, you know, sometimes in the 70s and 80s, the bands and the, the record companies were like, listen, get an album out, do a tour, do another album, get a tour, and you'd have Alice Cooper and Kiss and Aerosmith that had two albums a year, and it was just, it was this constant hamster wheel. You didn't have a a, a, a deadline. There was no, you have to have this out. You're like, I'm going to write a did you spend more time crafting the songs or was this very sort of organic? And I hate to sound that, to use that word, but was it just, hey, I'm just going to write these songs and we'll see how they come out? Or was this really a job where you sort of went in there and said, okay, let's get under the hood. Let's see why the chorus isn't working. Let's, you know what I mean? I think to answer that question, I would take no money from Frontiers. They wanted to offer me a deal and they wanted to give me the money. They begged me to take the money good old Serafino, take the money to Dennis. And uh, I said, no, Serafino, until I know I've got the songs. Does that answer your question? So, okay, so you weren't just... I don't don't need that money. What I need is to keep my... Integrity. My self-respect that I, you know, they don't, these days they can't offer you enough money to to sell that out. Uh, And so I went in and I said, I'm not doing this unless I got the goods. And then after almost two years, I, I said, Serafino, I'm ready. I got the goods. And that's because you, you talk to the guys in sticks. If they, they're they're going to tell you this about me, no matter what else, other things they say. Dennis leaves no stone unturned. He will drive us until we're ready to kill him. And not in a mean way, because he believes that the audience deserves the very best we know how to give. And the secret to success, I believe, is not accepting mediocrity from yourself and convincing yourself it's great. Which, unfortunately, a lot of bands do these days. Uh, I do want to talk about Julian Lennon, but before that, uh, you and uh, Jim are both accredited as having played Vuvuzelas on this album, which, of course, are the horns at all the wonderful soccer stadiums around the world. (laughs) <laughs> really? Vuvuzelas? Did you actually put them on there, or are you just pulling my leg? Uh, that was that was written for Jim Peterick's, um, and, and you pronounce, everyone, everybody outside the United States calls him Peterick, but it is Peterick, and it's it's um, it was for a laugh. If you read all the album notes, you know I'm, I'm I, I you can't take all this shit so seriously. Uh, the guys in Sticks never did, although people thought we were dead serious. We were the bunch, the biggest bunch of goofball, you know, fooling around guys in the world. You take the idea of what you do seriously, but not yourselves. And so, uh, yeah, for that, that there, there is no such instrument. Well, it but, does exist. It, it is oh, a real thing. And on this album, there is no such instrument. <laughs> okay. But now my point was, look at all these guys showing off playing all these instruments. And they're playing this one. That, that's the point of that. All right, so so let's. I just had to go there because I, I thought that was funny. I'm like, really? They've got those 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 soccer stadium horns on? Because I I listen to them. I'm going. I don't I don't hear any. Yeah, so. they're pretty loud. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, the good old days, uh, to the good old days with yeah. uh, Julian Lennon. Yeah. Um, talk to me about Never how. Saw that. Did you? Pardon me. 
I no, I didn't see that coming because I, I didn't even know Julian was still recording music. I thought he did Velot and then, you know, went back. I got and- him inspired. I think he wasn't. He hasn't done it for six, seven years, and he heard the song and he said, "Let's go." So, talk to me about having. Uh, first of all, you have your son on this album, but but Julian and having a sort of a special guest on this, and and not just saying, "Hey, it's going to be a Dennis DeYoung record, and I can't have, I don't have room for other people," and and bringing in Julian and what it was like to have him on there and his sort of vocal style and how did you sort of play off of it well it's um there's a song that's going to be on uh on dare i say the second one that i wrote as a tribute to the beatles and it's really in the beatles style i mean i ripped off everything i could think of something i'd never done in the past and put together this song that's really catchy and cool and i thought well why don't we have and it's the story of how they, on, on February 9, 1964, my life was changed by that performance and Ed Sullivan. And I thought, it's a two-part harmony thing like Lennon and McCartney did so often in the early days. I thought, well, who am I going to get to sing this with me? And then I thought, I wonder if Julian Lennon would do it. And so I wrote this email about the Descendant, and I thought, wait, he can't do this. They'll crucify him because it really is a Beatle ripoff. I called it homage. Nonetheless, I turned around, went right from where I'm sitting right now in my kitchen to the piano and said, what would it be like if, if, if Jules and I sang a song together? I imagine his voice. I bought for a lot. I was a fan. And I wrote to the good old days. I did a demo by myself, a couple of verses, of course, sent it to him. And he, he, he responded by saying he'd be honored to do it. Now, I don't know the guy, Mitch. Never met him. So that was like, it was a miracle. I, I just looked at it. That was like, you know, do I believe in destiny? I don't know. But this is sh- sure awfully nice. Because once again, where it began, so shall it end. Yeah, it shall. And now, I don't know how much longer we have, but I'll, I'll just quickly ask about the tour. You've got a whole bunch of dates going through May. As you know, many bands, uh, Pearl Jam, White Snake, Scorpions, uh, Santana, all canceling, Brian Adams, all canceling tour dates because of this coronavirus. Is that something you're looking at at this point? Or is it if the venue cancels on you and the government's cancel on you, you'll be done? Or are you looking at it saying, hey, maybe we should just consider coming back a bit later? I wish I could answer that question. It's a question no one can answer. I think a lot of these bands you're talking about were going overseas and playing in places that were, you know, infected. Now, it's going to trickle down here. We don't know where this thing is going, and it's not only unsafe for people who need to travel, but it's unsafe for the audience as well. And I I, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Um, It hasn't been decided. But that, that question is going to be coming up really within the next couple of weeks. Uh, we don't want to, but if it's in the interest of humanity, I think that, you know music business has got to take a back seat to that. It, it does, which is unfortunate. But you know, you yeah. Anyway, well, um, look at me. I decided to wait till there was a pandemic before I released my album. <laughs> I know. What a great... Here's the worst illicit check. My record company is in Italy. You don't think that's a double whammy. Oh, that's right. So all the records are going to be coming from Italy. Uh-oh. Um, they're, no, already, they're already... They're passed. already... Who, who knows where they make those things? Well, 
here's the thing. I got I wear masks on planes, you know. I look at the mask, it's made in China. I thought, well there you go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you got you're holding the C D made in Italy in one hand and the mask on <laughs> Yeah, mask from the Wuhan. Enjoy your flight. Oh, that's funny. Um, no, it's, it's well, madness. Listen to me. Yeah. It's madness. We don't know what the hell's going on. Because human beings need to they all know they're gonna die. I mean, we're the only species, as far as we know, that knows this. So human behavior can be pretty crazy from time to time based on the fact that we know that. So for all of us now, we're, you know, we have to confront the fact that, hey, look, by the way, we're not in charge. We're just like spinning through the universe and hoping for the best. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. And well, and and spinning on the, I'm going to give you the compliment here, but th- this album is is definitely one of your best. It's, it is absolutely complete on every level, and uh, we're at half an hour, so I don't know if we have any more time. But you can keep talking. I'll tell you when to shut up. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a couple more because I know you have an inter- another interview right after. Um, in- I like talking to you, Mitch. Thank you, and I I, I appreciate talking to you, and I, and I'm devastated that you are coming to Montreal and Quebec. The only weekend that I am actually not in the province. <laughs> well, we, we you know we did. <laughs> I know. We checked, we checked your schedule and said he's out of town. Let's go. I, I know that that's what I'm thinking because there are three days, and those are the three days I'm actually going to be in Maryland, of course. But anyway, um, in terms of um, musical sound, it does harken back to to the great Styx albums, the Grand Illusions, and the Paradise Theaters. It was that sort of how can I put this? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I I love that you did that, but also some people will say, well, solo albums should have a solo sound and should be different. Sting shouldn't sound like the Police, and but I think it's exactly what you should be doing. So so was it? Is calculated a bad word to use? Was it calculated? No, I I just returned to doing something that I. You know, that I not only helped create, but I'd like to think. Uh, but listen, I know this. I can say this. If this sounds like hubris or, or people don't like, oh, Dennis, I was, the, I was instrumental in that sound. And I can do it. You just listen to it. I could do it. I could have always done it. A lot of my solo albums stayed away from that. And I don't think, to my benefit, because um, I, I'm pretty good at that thing. And so trying to recreate myself was, um, remember, Tommy Shaw quit the band in 1983, stunning the other four members of the band. Couldn't believe it was happening. The other three band members wanted me to replace Tommy. And I said, I thought, no, I can't do that. Did they even, where's the self-awareness here? For goodness sakes, Tommy Shaw and I, we should be together. And, um, so, so quite frankly, when I look at it, uh, that sound uh, is something when I did my solo albums, I stayed away from in the hopes that we just get back together again soon and keep doing. So now that I do it, um, it's just what comes natural to me. It's what I do. And so to do this album, it was a nod to all the people, Mitch, who gave me the wonderful life that I'm allowed to live. You love this stuff. I understand. I worked real hard to try to make you love it. 
So here, here it is. This is what I've done in my life. And that's all I did. And I took extreme care in the way it sounded. Does it sound good to you? The fidelity and the mixing, does it sound good? Listen, it sounds great. Now, I'll be fair in the sense that for folks listening, I've only been accessing a stream online that was sent to me. So I'm hearing it streamed and so on and so forth. But I can just imagine if it sounds... I'll send you the file. When I get off this phone, I'll send you the WAV file. I can't wait because I got to say, streaming it, it sounds like a masterpiece. I can just imagine holding the CD and, you know, taking out the booklet and, and having that physical product, which is very important to me, and then hearing it at that full, you know, whatever, 16-bit or 24-bit or whatever you did it at. And, and I can't – I can just imagine. If the stream sounds good, the rest is a piece of cake. Um, and I'll finish on this. You you mentioned to me that there is a bonus track for Japan and you said it was Babe with an or orchestra. Were you being facetious? Was that just, or, or is it actually Babe with an orchestra? And sort of what orchestra? Where did it come from? Is it a live version? Is it something you did in the studio? What's sort of the story on the Japanese bonus track? Well, simply put, that's part of their Frontiers Agreement with their um, distributors. Right. And Japan insists upon it. And I just went to a, an album I recorded some years ago. Uh, in Chicago at the Chicago Theater, which is me with a symphony orchestra live. And I just pulled Babe off and I listened to it. Wow, that sounds good. I stuck it on. So, I mean, that's, that's all the thought that went into it because I know Babe was a big record in Japan and I think they'd like to hear that. So there wasn't much more thought than that. It's for the Japanese. If they like it, I'm very happy. Okay, so that's the, uh, the music of Styx uh, from 2004, I guess. That's exactly what it is. It's just something off there. Oh, that, that is terrific. All right, so good. Uh, so the fans can can look forward to that. And, of course, I will remind everybody, 26 East, sort of circling back to where it all began, comes out April 10th. It is Volume 1, which is a, a nice little aside because that means there's going to be more. Uh, do you think, by the way, that you will start incorporating a lot of these songs into the set do you because it really is strong enough that you could present this as a whole album but that you know with fans being hey where is babe it might be a bit difficult but are you excited to play these songs live and 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 just incorporate them into the other ones because i really think that they will fit and i think a fan even if they don't recognize it right away will go man that was good we worked on east of midnight the first track which is as it's as, as big a tip of the hat as I can give to that 77, 78 period. And, oh, my God. We got, you know, I have two keyboard players, me and another guy, and the two guitars. It's monstrous sounding. I and, mean, you know, some songs are great records and some songs are live records, you know. This is a live one, so we're doing that one. And the first song you mentioned to me, was with all due respect, we're going to do it because I want to get the audience to yell, you are an asshole. We're doing those two for sure. Oh, that's good. Uh, big duet with Jules. Uh, I'm going to test a couple of different guys singing with me so we can do it. Always the problem with duets, you're not going to have your partner there to do it all the time. But it listen, to the good old days would have been wonderful with a lot of singers, but with Jules, it's very special. And... um you know, my attempt there, I could have beetled the hell out of this thing. I avoided it. 
I, I allowed some you know, the Beatle tendencies to be there, but I avoided all the gimmicky things because I, out of respect to Jules, I wanted him and I to do something that belonged to us. And I, and I'm, I'm happy. It does belong to us. I'm so, I'm so thrilled that our, our, our voices made that blend. And, um, you know, people are, <clears throat> they're, they're moved by the song and, uh, you know, a lot of people are crying when they hear it. And most of those people are, are, are people who I'm making listen to who don't want to listen, but they cry anyway. Just kidding, Mitch. No, they do. And I'll say this about the album. Uh, I listen to a lot of albums, especially albums that are sent to me, and I can easily pick out one or two good tracks and you go, okay, great. I get a sense of what's going on. But I have tried to listen to your album and do one or two songs and then put it aside and get to something else. And you can't. You you really have to listen to the whole thing. It it just it sucks you in. It it really it was, just you know. Yeah, it was constructed as a whole. Remember when I wrote this and then at the very end I started to doubt myself and say, Did I do the right thing? Because back in the day when radio was the way you reached the fan base, you had to have your ear to it. Okay? You had to. Because they were the way you reached your audience. Knowing, going in, that this was not going to get any radio airplay, I said, to hell with it. I'll do what I want. So, hence the, the last song, my next last song, The Promise of This Land, only life that never repeats one section. So I just had fun with it. Mitch and I said, well, let's make it flow. I'll just do what I want. It's art. No, it is. it's just commercial art. Hold on. Don't move one second. Yeah. Got a buzz. You know, we, lo we love call waiting. Call waiting is the greatest invention to mankind. We love that. Hold on. Guess who it is, Mitch? Steve it's Brown. Next, it's the next guy who wants to talk to me. And I said, are you as important as Mitch? He said, <laughs> Mitch who? I said, never mind. <laughs> I will let you get to that. And uh, we will uh, keep our long-standing discussion of guitarist Steve Brown for another day. That guy, he still owes me money from the, the 90s when he was, had all that hair. <laughs> hey, yeah. let me just say this. Yes. You can use this or not. I'm not bullshitting you when I say it means an awful lot to me to know that, you, I, that I absolutely reached my goal of making people like yourself happy with the music. Oh, yeah, you did. I mean, it, it and, and I don't throw the word masterpiece out to... Uh, well, a lot, or in, in fact, ever. This album just, it, it really is a complete whole. It's not, oh, I like track two and six. and No, no, no. One through ten are absolutely what every Dennis DeYoung Styx fan will pick up and go, fuck yeah, that is, that is perfect. And, I'm, and I'm, on that note, I say thank you so much. Bonsoir. Bonsoir, mon ami. Cheers. Merci. Bye-bye. This has been Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. For more exclusive content and interviews, subscribe on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, and many more. Follow Mitch on all the socials, especially Twitter, at Mitch LaFon, and on Instagram, at Mitch underscore LaFon. Get your Mitch merch now at loudtracks.com slash Mitch.